Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers, brought to you by our friends at Mortgage CS. We'll tell you a little bit about them in just a couple of minutes, but you know what else is brought to you by Mortgage CS? The Victory Woo. Let's get another one in there. Woo! Uh, my name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Game. I think I already did that part. I, I never know. I'm just a robot who says the same things over and over. Anyway, huge win for the Philadelphia Flyers today. That was some old-time hockey. Uh, it was uh, very fitting that they honored Ed Snyder today on a game that got contentious, game that came down to the wire. It was an entertaining-as-hell game. thought the Flyers played the best we've really seen them play in weeks. Um, I guess maybe the Vancouver game in there, they were pretty good. But overall, uh, not a ton of complaints about this one, and I've been waiting to see if if and when they're going to bounce back from the skid that they were on. They came in having lost 6-7, and I was saying to JP you know, during the game, like, thank God that we got a game like this. Not just that they won, not that you know there was just some entertaining stuff going on, some extracurricular activity, if you will, uh, but the Flyers just kind of looked like themselves tonight for the first time in a while today, whatever you want to say. Um, you know, the D, uh, the defensemen were active joining the rush. I thought they made uh, the team overall made more of an effort to carry the puck. Not as much dumping in, not as many just long flips into the neutral zone, stuff like that. And with, you know, 40 or so games left in the season, I was really hoping that the last two, three weeks of Flyers hockey weren't a sign of things to come uh, because I selfishly, you know, I have to uh, got to watch all these games. We got to do a show after every game. And trust me, if the team just flat out stunk for the rest of the year, we'd figure out something to talk about. But it's very nice knowing that they still have this kind of hockey in them. Uh, I'm very interested to hear some of the postgame comments uh, about what woke this team up. You know, that last game we talked you know, for two days about the lineup decisions to take Cam Atkinson out, to take Morgan Frost out, only really replace one of them, basically go with nine forwards in the third period of Thursday's game. And it's like, oh, yeah, you lost in the third. Big shock. Like, you know, I wonder if especially the decision to uh, sit Cam Atkinson, you know, I joked like everyone's in the locker room like shit. Well, if he can sit, like him and the coach go to dinner. <laughs> like, they're boys. <laughs> a ton of mutual respect there. And Tortorella even said, uh, I believe it was yesterday, like, I had too much respect for Cam Atkinson to let him keep going down the path he was going because at the beginning of this slump, it was, there were like four or five games in a row where Atkinson had at least one breakaway and it was like, just didn't score. It's like, well, those will go in eventually. And then it was some bad penalties, those little details of his game, the stuff that makes him a Tortorella favorite kind of started to go away. And we saw that John Tortorella, despite us thinking he has these biases, is not afraid to sit a guy like Cam Atkinson for whom he has so much respect and they have so much history. Uh, but I, I want to hear if anyone said like, that was kind of a wake-up call for this team because they came out with jump right away. I know the score... Uh, like it looks like it was a one goal game and it did come down to the end and it was very contentious. The Flyers fucking dominated this game. Like they owned this game. It was, I think, like halfway through the third period. It was around the 10 minute mark of the third period that the Flames got their 20th shot on goal. Like the Flyers were all over them. And like some of the power plays and stuff puts that out of whack, but. It's not as if the Flames didn't get power plays too. And Flyers were just absolutely outstanding tonight. I'm just happy to see them look like themselves. Uh, of course, I mentioned it was it was Ed Snyder night. They're uh, honoring the legacy of the uh, Flyers' original owner. I have called him the uh, the George Washington of Philadelphia hockey. He he brought this to us, and I know I think a lot of people and we fell into this trap at Broad Street Hockey, and we've probably carried it over here to PHLY. A lot of people in my generation of fans. Because, like, you know, the 70s, the glory days, we didn't get to see those. I'm born in 88. You know, they went on that run in the in the 80s, but the last one they went to was 87. Um, you know, nine, eight, nine, whatever years old when they go to one cup. They've only been to two in my lifetime. They're two and eight in those games. You know, uh, like, I think a lot of people my age have, like, downplayed what Ed Snyder was as an owner 
because of some of the overreaction stuff. Like part of it just like pushing back against another section of the fan base. Like, no, actually he's Jerry Jones. And like, while that is kind of sort of true, like the importance of bringing hockey here and developing this, uh, developing what they have become uh, just as a, a keystone of this city. Like people will say like, are they an original six franchise? No, but they're the seventh. Like people call them like the original seventh team and they're a premier organization despite it, you know, being an expansion team. And they're the first expansion team to win a cup. Like all of that stuff that Ed Snyder did, I think sometimes can get lost amongst the younger fans. And like, listen, I I'm wearing the Bobby Clark shirt today, uh, but listen, I I've, you've heard plenty of my rants against some of the old guard and who gets jobs in this organization and all that stuff. And while it can sometimes be frustrating, I do think it's important to remember, like uh, when they're interviewing Snyder's daughter, I believe at one of the intermissions, uh, they just ask her like, what would the sport, like, how do you think the sports scene would be different? And in my mind, the first thing that comes to mind, the sports complex, something I absolutely love and never want to see go away. Like, I hate the idea of the Sixers leaving and like all that. I, I love the sports complex. I love where it is. I uh, just everything. And that's him, man. Like he built the spectrum and then he, uh, he you, you know, built with his own money, with Spectacor's money, the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, everything that's happened around it is kind of because of what began there. And I, I just, it's just a small thing. Obviously the uh, youth hockey foundation that he, the Ed Snyder's foundation, huge. It, it's really cool. I, I've known people who've uh, coached for them, who've worked in the organization, obviously uh, with broad street hockey. We did a couple events that were like kind of co-branded that uh, benefited Snyder hockey, things like that. So I just, I'm happy that they won today and were able to do this for Ed Snyder and kind of just remind people of how important a figure he was, even if in later years we can go, oh, you know, it was basically him going on TV and saying we can uh, we can never let what happened in the 2011 playoffs happen again, so we had to go give Briz 50 million bucks. Like, you know, obviously those things happened, but they did happen because he cared so fucking much. Like, and that's what people really miss about Ed Snyder is, like, during his uh, tribute video today, they called him the Flyers' number one fan. And he was. He just loved the team so much and would do anything. Was it always the right thing? No, but who who always does the right thing? Jesus. I, I made a mistake on yesterday's show that I've been thinking about since, like, a small dumb thing. But, like... <laughs> Who who is always right? I you know so I, I I think it is really important for like especially I assume a lot of our demographic that listens to this show more in the twenties and thirties range people who maybe didn't see the glory years the seventies and eighties of the Flyers and so you didn't see the best of Ed Snyder like he got inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in eighty eight. Like that was 35 years ago. Like a lot has happened since then, but I'm just happy that we got to honor him today. The Flyers did a great job. And uh, like my niece and nephew went to their first game today. They saw an awesome game and like, they have no idea, but I bet you they remember that one. I bet you they kind of have a better understanding of who we are and like what the hell it is I do and why I love this thing so much. And that's Ed Snyder. So I'm glad we got to talk Bill, about real, real quick. Cause yeah. obviously like in our life, well in Ed Snyder's time as the owner, the flyers always been relevant and that's super hard to do. I don't think people understand that fully, but looking off the ice, you and I had that conversation before of us growing up playing hockey, hockey equipment's not cheap. And no. he brought hockey, not only to Philadelphia, but literally every crevice in the city. Yeah. We have rinks in North Philly. We have rinks in South Philly. We have rinks in South Jersey, Delco everywhere because of what you're talking about. Him caring so much about the sport and about the city, that is so important. You know, hockey, I wanted to unify everyone. I thought Ed Snyder had that image back in those days. And so he's important not only to just the sport, but to the city. Every time I walk by that statue, I always got to give my respect. He was instrumental. He was very much a grow the game guy. That's why I think, uh, I think they didn't do a Gritty's Chaos Corner today. And, like, the general consensus is Ed Snyder would have hated – uh, gritty, 
and the idea. He probably would have hated the idea that the Flyers need a mascot, but he was so much into, like, let's make more fans. Let's create new fans. And, yes, the best way to do that is by winning. Like, bandwagons, like, listen, I've been to Phillies games when they're good. I've been to Phillies games when they're bad. Guess what? No one's there when they're bad. You know, bandwagon is a real thing, but it's huge for your team. Uh, Like winning does it, but the Flyers haven't done a ton of winning lately. So they did go out and do the gimmick thing. I don't know that he would have loved it, but I do think it would have been like he would have got a kick out of it. Maybe he maybe would have laughed, but he was so integral in that, like grow the game mentality. We need to like everyone who's been exposed to hockey we're at maximum capacity. The people who know what hockey is, they're either hockey fans or not. To, so to create more hockey fans, we need to create more hockey fans, like introduce them to the sport. And that's, I think that's a great point to bring up, uh, JP. So I want to get to this uh, game now. Um, just a really fun one. Just, uh, again, I'm just so grateful that they played. They showed me that they're capable of doing this. And I think it really starts with the, uh, really starts with the man who was scratched for the 11th time on Thursday, Morgan Frost, uh, gets the first goal of the game tonight uh, by going to the net. Nice play by Sean Walker, whose initial shot was blocked. He followed it up, gets it through. Here's a kick save uh, right in front by Markstrom. And who's there to clean it up? Someone paying attention to the details of his game and going to where he's supposed to go. It's Morgan Frost. Uh, He also picked up an assist in the game. I thought he was... Obviously, like, first period, the team just had jump, um, and that Couturier line is typically good. You know, they if, if you just go, oh, yeah, well, when, you know, Travis Konechny's on the ice, the team's good. Like, yes, they stand out. Uh, outside of the top line, though, I did think that uh, Morgan Frost was one of the most noticeable players, especially in the first period. When I say it looked like the team kind of made a concerted effort to carry the puck more. I thought he was a big part of that. Uh, Yeah, he was, so he scores the goal in the second, but in the first there was just like an end-to-end, I won't even call it a rush, because he wasn't like sprinting up the ice. He gathers the puck in the defensive zone, has his head up and he's looking and he just has open ice. So he weaves his way out of the zone, through the neutral zone, and then into the offensive zone, at which point, He was kind of forced outside a little, and I was disappointed in his line mates because it didn't seem like anyone charged the net looking to get a rebound or a pass, so he just kind of had to throw, like, uh, a prayer at the net. But he got the shot off, so that was nice. But I just – I'm really happy for Morgan Frost, and I've been trying to think of a – like an analogy for this Frost-Tortorella relationship, and we talked a lot yesterday about – you know, uh, Frost ducked out after practice, did not speak to the media. But John Tortorella spoke about him to the media and said Frost came to him, uh, came into his office and disagreed with things, challenged him, like w- asked what he needs to do, why am I sitting, and then kind of pushed back on him. And it really feels like John Tortorella went, Finally, like he's been trying to get him to push back against him because he's whatever. He's got too laid back a personality. He sees him as a pushover, whatever it might be. I I came up with like one of the main points in Slapshot is Paul Newman, Reggie Dunlop is just pushing and prodding Ned Braden to get on board and start fighting with everyone else. And he just won't do it. So he's just poking him and poking him until finally he loses it and punches the coach, (laughs) punches Reg Dunlop. And like, that's almost what it feels like Tortorella has been trying to get out of Frost. I thought it was, it was very, very uh, telling today that that little celebration. And he usually gives you a good fist pump after he scores, but there's a little more emphasis on it today. It seemed like Morgan Frost really wanted that one, and he gets it, uh, makes another play to pick up an assist today. So maybe this is a sign of things to come. Maybe this is the next – maybe it's not over for Frost here. I'm still skeptical. I just – I don't think he's a Tortorella-type player ultimately. But maybe there's another level. You know, maybe there's – this is the beginning of something for him 
where he realizes what the coach is trying to get out of him, not just with his play on the ice, but with just how he conducts himself away from the puck uh, at practice, whatever it might be. Like, maybe there's still something there with Frost. It's one game, had a couple of points. Uh, you know, it's not like he's been tearing the world up. He has not looked like the guy, you know, in the final 55 games of last season. We all remember, you know, whatever. He hasn't been that this year. Maybe this is the start of something. I would love to see it because, man, they, they need more good players. They need guys who can score. It is a chore for this team to score. That's why you look at this power play and go, oh, it's terrible. That's why they absolutely dominate the Flames today and win 3-2 instead of 4-1, you know? Like, the, it, a guy who can create offense is very necessary for this team right now. I'd like to see him keep what he's doing. And if you want to see him do it in person, oh, man, you got to use game time as I'm scrolling, scroll, there it is. Oh, I'm on the wrong page altogether. All right, just give me a second here. <laughs> the Flyers, nice little homestand right now. They're playing well, and if you're starting to be skeptical, it's like, oh, I don't, I just don't know if I want to go see them. They have, they've been sliding a little bit. And well, they're back, baby, and we saw a great game today. They have more on tap for us, I think. And if you're going to go see them in person, you got to do it with game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. You're going to make money on the deal. That's how confident they are. So snag the tickets without the stress of Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And, uh, man, it seemed like uh, that's one thing I do want to ask Charlie about a little later is the atmosphere at the game tonight because, or this afternoon, what I'm going to keep saying tonight, I'm sorry if that bothers you. Again, I'm a robot. Um, <laughs> like, it seemed loud in there. It seemed like the crowd was into it. They were getting on the officials a little bit. They were really getting into some of the rough stuff, which is to be expected. Uh, it This felt like a bigger game than just a random Saturday matinee against a Western Conference team you ain't going to see again this season. Like, this felt like a good one, and I was happy to see what they did. And I think a lot of people must have been using that game time app because it looked full. It sounded loud. I want to hear what Charlie has to say about the uh, the atmosphere down at the Farg today because it was a good one. It was a good one. I do want to, as good as Frost was, I, I did think Cam Atkinson, he didn't score today, had a bunch of opportunities. Uh, first period, had a slot chance, one on O, missed wide. That was rough uh, not to get it on net. Three on one in the first period, he tried to execute like a quick pass back, like almost a touch pass back to where it came from on the three on one. Puck gets tipped, broken up. I mean, I guess he could have shot. I guess he could have held it for a second, but his defenseman kind of just made a play. And the second period, uh, two on one gets a nice pass. I think it was from Tippett to kind of spring him one on O again and Markstrom makes the save, but cam did get hooked. Uh, so the flyers go back to the power play and they score on that power play. So all in all, I think cam Atkinson, we'll see if he maintains this level. He's going to break through scoring eventually you'd think. Uh, but as long as he's playing well, like that's one of the, it's, it, they're not going to be able to trade him at this deadline. I kind of always thought that that was going to be an off-season thing just because of the money, because of the years left. Like, it's going to be an off-season thing to move on from Cam Atkinson. And maybe just having that free roster spot is the most important thing. But you'd like to get something. You know, you'd like to get something in return. Maybe not have to retain a ton of salary or any whatever. Him playing well is important, even if you're not like, oh, well, we, even if you're not on team, let's make the playoffs. Him playing well is important for getting some sort of return, not having to cover his salary, like whatever it is. So maybe he can get back a little, like getting the scoring chances he got tonight. That's got to be a good sign. 
dude does need to finish though. Like he is one of the reasons they're having such trouble scoring. He's a goal scorer. That's his job. He ain't scoring. But I did think he showed some uh, pretty positive signs today. Another positive sign. Man, I don't think we talk enough about Cam York. Uh, he has been... I, I know we all expected... I mean, I, we, I joke about it all the time, but we all know they passed up... They passed on Cole Caulfield. You know, didn't, didn't get the little goal scorer. Uh, they get someone else from the U.S. Development Program the defenseman Cam York, and we've been really waiting for him to break out as an offensive threat. Uh, he did pick up an assist today on TK's shorthanded goal. That was, uh, he came into the game with one goal and one assist in his last 12, so it's nice to see him find the score sheet a little bit again. But, you know, we all know he's second in time on ice. He and Sanheim have been that top pair. He's also second on the team in blocked shots, and I had I had the thing in front of me, but I don't. He must have had five or six blocks tonight. I think he had four or five in the last game. Uh, he has been a Nick Sealer-esque shot-blocking machine as I try to uh, bring up the box here. Oh, they don't even have it in the regular box. I I know I say this too often. I NHL.com was actually good the last couple of years, and they have ruined this website with, like, they just take stuff away. Like, there's just less information. There's just less information available easily than there was like a season ago. And that's very frustrating for me, but I'm trying to help you behind the scenes and, and it's, and and it's I'm, exactly. I'm right there with you. You're just, you're trying, <laughs> but like you think it would be easy block shot, considering how much every commentator goes on about block shots. You think it'd be like listed before goals, but no, it's not even listed on the regular box score. You have to go into the event summary to find it. Uh, and I don't feel like doing that right now. Maybe I'll look it up when Charlie yeah, yeah, it's just frustrating. But Cam York has been really, really good defensively. And we've said a lot, you know, Sanheim, when he's on, he's really good. And when he makes mistakes, they're big mistakes that usually end up in the back of the net. And that's why people have such a low opinion of Sanheim, especially coming into this season. Because, like, his big mistakes are like, Jesus, dude, what are you doing out there? And I don't think Sanheim has been making – a ton less mistakes. I mean, he's been better overall, just like he's been a better player. Uh, but I think having Cam York as almost the steadying force next to him has really helped erase a lot of those, uh, a lot of those mistakes, a lot of, and they want the defenseman to be aggressive. We know John Tortorella wants uh, Travis Sanheim pushing the pace. We know he wants Sean Walker jumping up on the play. That's all well and good, but you can't do it without someone next to you who is going to cover up for when there's a two-on-one, either if it's down low or on a breakout, on a rush, whatever it is, someone who's going to be able to erase those mistakes. I think Cam York, it's uh, it's time to give him a little bit of love. Uh, I want him to score more. I think he needs to score more, ultimately. I don't know, Maybe he's never going to be a 45-50 point guy. He needs to accumulate more points than three in 13 games, though. Uh, but... I will say his defensive play much stronger than expected. It's it's not what I thought he was. Like uh, I I expected a dude who uh, maybe not Gosta Spare, like not just oh yeah I'm basically another forward out there, but someone who was a little bit more offensively oriented. Uh, and that's not what we've seen so far. But that's not to say he's not having a huge impact for this team, uh, playing a bunch of minutes and being pretty solid defensively. So. I want to give Cam York a little bit of love, but overall, like when I talk about this team looking more like looking more like themselves today, because that was my biggest takeaway is like, yeah, that was them physical game turned into a rock fight back and forth. The flyers have dudes who can absolutely handle themselves in those situations. We know this about them. And also it was kind of trading chances a little, but the flyers locked it down defensively. And then they do enough to win the game. Like it was a, it was very them today. And I think a big thing about what they are is offense from defense. And we talked about Cam York picked up the assist on the uh, on the shorthanded goal. Uh, Sean Walker, like I said, he got the assist on Frost's uh, goal in the second period. That was his first assist. Sean Walker, the dude who we think has been awesome, and it's like, oh yeah, they're getting a first round pick for him. 
First assist in 17 games. He had one goal and one assist in 20 games coming into today. It's been a while since he produced some offense, and he made a nice play. Like I said, the initial shot gets blocked. He stays with it, finds the loose puck, gets the second attempt through, and then Frost is able to bury the rebound. That's huge. Uh, you need more offense from defense. We saw it out of Walker today. We saw it out of Cam York, and we saw it out of uh, Igor Zamula, who actually, I didn't even realize... Been on a little bit of a points tear recently. Uh, the assist on the Coots power play goal was his fifth point in the last seven games. Uh, he had four points in the first 23 games he played this year, and now he's got five in his last seven. Maybe they're starting to find a little something uh, with Zamula up on the power play. He seems a little more aggressive. He just seems more confident with the puck and in joining the rush, uh, more decisive with his passes. Uh, Zamula's another guy I want to ask Charlie about because we've kind of been like, for a little while now, it's, oh, you know, I, uh, I we're actually giving John Tortorella credit for keeping Zamula in the lineup when it's like the conventional wisdom, at least the bias we think Tortorella has, would be like, you know, Mark Stahl's sitting right there and I'm not getting anything out of Zamula. Maybe I need to put Stahl back in. And he has dressed the seven defenseman a few times and stalls come in for Zamula here and there, but he's given Zamula plenty of opportunity and it's starting to pay off a little bit. I want to ask Charlie if he thinks uh, Z is maybe just on a little bit of a heater, like guys pick up points, in, you know, they go on little point streaks or maybe this is the start of something because that power play today, they get the one power play goal and it's nice, uh, nice greasy goal there for Couturier from where? Behind the goal line, he wasn't down there, but the puck was. The goalie can't see behind him. I just blows my mind. So much offense is derived from behind the net, JP. Like, Wayne Gretzky, the all-time greatest player, that's his office. You think maybe there's something to that? The guy, if he never scored a goal, would still lead the league all-time in points just on assists? You think maybe there's something to having your offense come from behind the goal line? And now it's like a bounce off the end board and Couturier kind of gets a lucky bounce and banks it. I get it. But it's just like, you know what happened? Markstrom didn't know where the puck was because he doesn't have eyes in the back of his well, head. Careful when you say that, Bill, because I don't know if you've been noticing the trends on social media these days, but kids now, you know how like basketball players now, kids go out to the court, they're shooting threes automatically. They're not even yeah. working on layups. Now kids want to do the Michigan. Oh, yeah. So everywhere, like on ponds, like skating rinks, they're just working on the Michigan, not it's even the fundamentals. unbelievable. <laughs> like the stuff kids work on now. Like I took like I was coached on puck handling like twice. Like, and now like everyone can do it. Like I like it's just it's really funny to see, but yeah, I want to see. I want to know who the first flyer to try is because Tortorella a couple years ago when Trevor Zegers was getting all the uh, all the attention for being the guy who was like just doing it in the NHL and doing it kind of regularly. Torts they asked him what he thought about it, and he said, "I miss the physicality of our games." <laughs> like that's not what the question was, but like I want to know who the flyer to try it is, given that Tortorella is behind. I don't want to wait for Mishkov because Mishkov tries it all the time. I don't want to wait for that. I want to see who actually tries it. Like hopefully this year someone gives it a shot. But yeah, I, this power play man, they looked really good today. They got the one goal, and that just to me was more of like. Well, one was going to go in like they actually were setting up plays, got a ton of chances, and they weren't doing it against bums like Calgary's penalty kill is fifth in the league. Uh, they're at like, I think, 84.8. They're like 85 percent. They're really, really good. And they get a ton of shorthanded goals. They're a lot like the Flyers penalty kill and uh, Flyers power play was excellent today. Now, maybe it's just like, you know broken clock, et cetera, blind squirrel, whatever. But uh, maybe it's just something to build on. Like, as I'm seeing Zamula get more comfortable, uh, maybe there's something to that. These two things might be correlated. Uh, I'm excited to see what this power play does going forward. And I know that's crazy to say because it's been such trash. But you just look at someone like TK's scoring numbers, and he's got like three power play points, or like something absurd. And it's – he would – he would be in the Art Ross race if this power play was not even good. 
just average. I'm just talking like 18, 19%. I'm not asking for the world here. You know, like 33 or whatever the devils are at. Like, I'm not asking for that. 20. Like, if 20 is the goal, like they're at 10 now, you know? Like, if they could just be one for every five or six, that would be pretty nice. Uh, this team would win a ton more games, and dudes would be putting up much bigger numbers. So I'm, I'm actually, I guess not excited. Excited isn't the word. I'm interested. They have my interest. Like, before, like, when the Flyers go into power play, quite honestly, I'm just a little peek behind the curtain here. Flyers go into power play is, like, when I work on my outline and shit. I'm like, okay, well, nothing's going to happen, so I have two minutes to, like, look up some stats I want to look up. And <laughs> things, of that, break. <laughs> like, things of that nature. Like, I'm just, I'm going to do some, I'm going to do my intermission work a little early because the Flyers are on a power play, and that's a waste of everyone's time. Now I'm, like... Oh, I'm actually going to watch maybe. I'm I'm interested to see where this goes if it's just All right, they had a good game. They scored one. They had some nice chances here and there. Uh Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's finally turning around. It took half the season, but they're actually they're actually getting somewhere with this power play and it won't take a ton to like show great improvement. You know, like what were they today? Like 1 for 6 or something? Uh, yeah, it looks like, okay. Charlie O'Connor will be joining us in just a moment, uh, as I try to bring up the, yeah, see, this is just absolutely, I hate this website so much. What was the power play? Yeah, one for six. We're talking about under 17%, but they looked really good. And that's all I'm asking for at this point. Uh, do we have Charlie? Is he... All right, and joining us now is Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor. Charlie, can you hear me? I sure can. Can you hear me, Bill? Woo! All right, another victory woo. We got two for the Flyers. We get one for Charlie today. Uh, the first thing I want to ask is just about the atmosphere down at the Wells Fargo Center today. It sounded uh, sounded loud, sounded like people were into it. Obviously, all the Ed Snyder stuff was really cool. What did you think of the uh, Snyder legacy presentation and just the crowd today? Yeah, I thought the atmosphere was great. Uh, it was actually a lot more full than I thought it was going to be, not because I, I thought that Flyers fans were going to blow this game off, but more just because of the weather. Uh, I, there was some uncertainty about whether they were going to get snow or not. There were flurries this morning when I was heading over to the uh, to the arena. I just thought there might be some people that would decide it wasn't worth it to come out and we might get a, a lesser crowd. But place was packed. Place was rocking. And I think it helped, too, that this is the kind of game that gets people engaged. You know, there were there were fights. There were big hits. There were scrums. There were good goals like the Flyers obviously win the game. There's a big brawl at the end of the game. You know, this is just the type of of game that is going to get the crowd into it. It's going to get them engaged. So kind of a perfect thing. Yeah, I was, uh, believe it or not, Charlie, I was certainly engaged in this one. You know, when I'm tweeting. I'm shocked. I'm, when I'm tweeting from the PHLY Flyers account, someone needs to fuck up Greer. I think you can, uh, I think you can guess I'm pretty, I'm pretty into this one. Uh, a couple of, uh, couple of things I want to talk to you about. I want to get to, I want to start with Morgan Frost, obviously, because contractually I have to talk about Morgan Frost every show. Uh, but I, I did think in the first period, uh, he was one of the one of the obvious standouts in the first, and then he goes and gets the goal in the second period. I thought the team as a whole made a more conscious effort to carry the puck more today, and I thought he was kind of one of the catalysts for that. Uh, he, strong game, Frost, coming back from his 11th scratch. In my mind, what did you think of Morgan Frost today? I thought he had exactly the game he needed to have. And I've made this point on Twitter. I made this point in another podcast I went on uh, yesterday. I made this point on our podcast yesterday that if it ends up working out for Morgan Frost in Philadelphia, I do think that that meeting that he had with Tortorella yesterday when Morgan Frost specifically asked for the meeting, I think that will be looked back on as a turning point. Because I do think, and I specifically asked John Tortorella about this after the game, you know, was Torts waiting for Frost to to do this was he waiting to try to push him to to come right back at Tortorella for maybe the first time in their their time together as player and coach and I mean Torts didn't say that straight up but he said look like it's my job to get this out of a player and 
for Morgan, he might not be used to talking to coaches. Like he might just be used to just saying, okay, coach, and then keeping his mouth shut. But that's not how it works with me and in terms of it being torts. And I think that the meeting was a big step forward for the two of them. However, the meeting doesn't matter if the player doesn't then go out and perform because words only will take you so far. Actions are what really count. And for Frost to come out there and not just play with energy, you know, even he even played with some physicality, had a couple hits, but to legitimately score a goal, he got an assist on the uh, on the power play tally, I believe. Yeah. So it was a one goal, one assist game. Like that's how you change the mind of a head coach. I don't know if he's going to be able to with Torts. I don't know if this relationship is ever going to work out the way, you know, we're all kind of hoping that it might where, you know, Frost becomes a 60 point a year guy and works with Tortorella. I don't know if that's going to happen, but at least now there's a path. And I think the last two days were really big for Frost in that, you know, he asserted himself off the ice with, with the coach. And then on the ice, he went, he went out there and he had the kind of response game that the coach wants a player to have after a scratch. Yeah, absolutely. And I let me see if this uh, if this analogy works for you, Charlie. John Tortorella is Reggie Dunlop and Slapshot, and he's trying to get Morgan Frost, Ned Braden, basically to punch him. Like he's needling him yeah. and needling him and needling yep. him until he just socks him, and then it's like. All right, that's what I wanted out of you. Yeah, like that's what I'm <laughs> exactly. seeing. It's like it's working. Yeah. I don't think Morgan Frost, like if the Flyers go to the Stanley Cup final, needs to do a strip tease at center ice. But like we can <laughs> it, just it, some of this analogy works. It is some of it. All right. right. Uh, I thought Part like my biggest takeaway from today's game, Charlie, was the Flyers just looked more like themselves. I said I thought it looked like they made a more concerted effort to carry the puck rather than just like oh, let's flip it out and let's get it deep. Like, I thought they were trying to carry the puck a little bit more. Obviously, they were physical. This game demanded it, and they answered. Like, they were kind of locked down defensively, even though the beginning of this game was a little back and forth. Like, Calgary didn't get their 20th shot on goal until there were 10 minutes left in the third period. They looked more like themselves. Is this just a one-off in your mind, or do you think this is building block for them getting back on track? Well, I, I don't know. That is only going to be decided by what they do in the games following. You know, they have another few games at home, then they go away on another road trip. We'll see. What I will say is that I totally agree with you. I think this was this wasn't just a good game. I think this was their best game in about three weeks. weeks if you yeah. if you go back and you, and you look at the numbers like this is the. This is the first time that they outchanced the other team at five on five, uh, looking at expected goals. I'm looking at natural stature right now. It's the first time they've outchanced the team since the uh, the Red Wings game on the 22nd. And that to do that, they had to go down five one in the first period. So uh, let's throw that one out because score effects and also they went down five one. You can't call that a good all around game. You call it a fun comeback. Can't call that a great 60 minute effort. But before that. The last time they outchanced the team, another team of five on five was the 14th against the Capitals. So we're talking weeks since the last time they legitimately start to finish in my mind, outplayed another team by the numbers and by the eye test. And it, it speaks to you know what I've been writing about over the last like week or so about this team that there's been a drop off. I'm not saying that this means that this team is going to fall off a cliff and the rest of the year they're going to be exactly what we thought they were going to be going into the season. I'm not saying that. I think they've played well enough for a long enough period of time that I am not just going to say it's over, they stink again, you know, let's just toss out the first two and a half months. I don't think that's fair. However, they still need to turn it around because if they kept playing the way they've been playing the last two and a half, three weeks, it would fall off because it's not a sustainable way to, to win games. It's not a sustainable way to play games if you want to stay in playoff contention. The way they played tonight's game or today's game, since it was an afternoon game, that type of game can keep this Flyers team in playoff contention. That was a good enough game for them to stay in the mix through, through April. Absolutely. And one of the things that I thought was a big factor today they got offense from defense, and they haven't been getting that in a few weeks. Uh, Sean Walker, I actually looked this up. So he gets the assist on the Frost goal. It's his first assist in 17 games. He has two points in his previous 20, gets the assist. Like, that's that's huge. Uh, Sanheim, uh, like, hasn't really scored a ton lately. But I want to talk about Igor Zamula. Uh, Zamula has 
Today was his fifth point in the last seven games. He had four in the previous 23. Uh, do you think he's just on a nice little run, or has he started to find something to become more of an offensive threat? He looks, he looks more decisive and more confident to me with the puck right now. Well, what I can tell you is uh, after the game tonight, I, I asked John Tortorella about the power play because even though they only just scored, you know, it took a while. They they were banging away all game. They were producing shots and chances, and they honestly looked pretty good by the eye test, aside from the, the lack of a goal. It looked pretty good against Columbus, too. They had a lot of chances, a lot of shots. They just couldn't score. Finally, Sean Couturier bangs one in, kind of a greasy, dirty goal. But, hey, sometimes that's what you have to do to score, especially when you're when you're snake-bitten on the power play or snake-bitten, period. So I asked John Tortorella, what's been the biggest difference over the last two games? And before he mentioned anyone, else he said Igor Zamold you know he's he's done a really good job as the power play quarterback he settled things down when we need to be settled down he said look chemistry between the other guys it looks like it's starting to develop a little bit and that's great but first and foremost Igor Zamol is doing a really good job on the power play so I thought that was notable I thought it was notable that the coach you know made a point to to praise Zamula, who, you know, look, he hasn't been an every night player. He's gotten a lot of scratches this year. And to be honest, they've been justified scratches. He hasn't played all that well. But this just, it serves as a reminder. And I've been critical of Zamula. I think for long stretches, he he was not playing very well. It's not like he's playing perfect hockey right now. He had a couple, couple turnovers in this game too. But this just shows you the importance of letting these young players play through it. That when a guy isn't physically, you know, like – Igor Zamola just was not, or not Igor Zamola. Emil Andre was just not ready for the pace. He wasn't ready for the physicality of the NHL yet. So you send him down, you let him learn at the AHL level. Igor Zamola, on the other hand, he was ready. It was just he was going to make mistakes because he's a rookie who's learning how to play in the NHL. And credit the Flyers. They gave him a long leash. Yeah, they sat him sometimes, but they never sat him for too long that I felt like it was an issue. They turned Mark Stahl into a number seven defenseman, essentially, to make sure Zamola's getting games. And now you're seeing the reward. You're seeing a guy who might be finding his niche a little bit. And look, I don't know if Igor Zamol, in fact, I probably doubt it. I, I doubt Igor Zamol is a power play one quarterback. But hey, if Igor Zamola can be a power play two guy, maybe he's that. And then suddenly he's not just a 12 minute a night third pair defenseman. Then suddenly maybe he's a 16 minute a night good third pair defenseman who can score, you know, 25, 30 points a year by producing a little bit on the power play. Suddenly, Igor Zamul has found his NHL role. And I don't know if that's going to be his role. Maybe this is just a little bit of a hot streak. Maybe he drops off and he's not an NHL defenseman over the long term. But I love the fact that this season they're giving him a chance to, to, to kind of grow into a role to see if he can find a role. And over the last you know, five or so games, as you said, I think we're seeing that. And credit to the Flyers for giving them that opportunity. Absolutely. No, it's one of the things that I've kind of pointed to whenever anyone complains about some sort of decision John Tortorella makes. And I know that's funny to say after I freaked out for an hour yesterday. Uh, but, like, <laughs> that's one of those things you can point to and be, you know, Mark Stahl has been sitting there all year. And it's not like Zamul has blown anyone away, but he has stuck with Zamula for the most part. And now it might be starting to pay dividends. We'll see where it goes, but I definitely think maybe – if he could just, okay, he's a third-pair guy who can be that power play two guy, that's a dude you want to keep around then. He's not just yep. a guy. He's an actual piece. So it's exactly. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes with Z. Uh, another defenseman that I uh, just doesn't get enough love. I, I feel like we haven't talked about him in a little while is Cam York. Um, no points in five straight entering today. Uh, he had one goal and one assist in his last 12 games. He gets an assist on the uh, TK shorty. But, man, he has really become the steadying force of this blue line. Like, five block shots today. He's second on the team in block shots behind only Nick Sealer, who's a puck magnet. Uh, and I think he had four or five last game blocks, Cam York. I just see, like, I don't think Sanheim is making – way less mistakes than he has in previous years. He's making more plays, but I think actually having York as that steadying force has kind of allowed Sanheim to not look as foolish on his mistakes the way we have seen him in the past. What have you seen out of York recently? Yeah, I don't think we're talking enough about Cam York and the way that he is establishing himself this season as, in my mind, a clear, rock-solid top-four defenseman. Look, I don't 
I don't think Cam York is going to top out as a number one. But I think he's a guy where if he's in your top four, he's going to give you just solid games at least. And that's what he's doing. And I'll be honest, I didn't expect his defensive game at the NHL level to be this sound. And look, he's he's not the biggest guy. He's going to get muscled off the puck sometimes, I'm sure. I'm sure that's going to be part of the Cam York experience. It's just, look, he's just not the biggest guy. It's going to happen. But he's willing. He's willing to get into battles. He's willing to go into the corners. He's willing to block shots. And those are the kinds of things that – you know, we had this this discourse about Shane Goss's bear for years, about the fact that, you know, Ghost did the fun things. I'm a Shane Goss's bear fan. But the things that he didn't do well were the things that hockey hockey men, that they value the most. So he was always going to be a guy that was on the risk of being on the outs with his coach at the NHL level because he like the things he was bad at were the things that tick off hockey people the most. Cam York, I wondered if he was going to have that same problem. After watching him for 39 games this year, I don't think that's going to be a problem because he's willing to do those things. You know, he, I, look, he's never, I don't think he's ever going to be a shutdown defenseman. But if he blocks shots like he's been doing, if he's as willing physically as he's been over these last maybe three, four weeks, especially, like he's not going to have to worry about getting scratched even by a coach like John Tortorella. They're going to like him enough that they're going to keep him in the lineup and by the numbers. He hasn't been a standout. You know, he hasn't been dominant in terms of his underlying metrics or dominant in terms of point point production. But he's getting 20 plus minutes a night and he's holding his own in a top pair role. And to me, that's a guy where, you know, even if he's not a, a 55, 45 point guy when he reaches his ceiling, he's a guy where if he's on your second pair, that's great. Perfectly fine. Perfectly happy with that. Then you're looking at the Flyers. You're like, all right, you got Travis Sanheim. You got Cam York. You're hoping you got Oliver Bonk. Suddenly... The defense is shaping up pretty well as long as you get that clear-cut number one. I don't think York is that clear-cut number one, but I think York is a clear-cut, rock-solid top four defenseman, and you need those guys. We go from uh, one cam to another. Uh, Obviously, Frost comes back from the scratch, gets the goal and the assist, was one of the more noticeable guys on the ice, thought he had a great game. Cam Atkinson. Uh, gets scratched on Thursday. We spent a lot of time talking about that. Obviously, the respect, the history with Tortorella. It was, I don't know about a shock because he'd been playing very poorly. Uh, today, uh, he looked he looked noticeable at times. First period, got a slot chance, 1-0, missed wide. He uh, tried to execute like quick touch pass on a 3-on-1, and it got broken up later in the period. Second period, 2-on-1, I think, with Tippett. Tippett springs him with a real nice pass, and he's 1-on-0, and Markstrom makes the save. He did get hooked, and that's the uh, penalty that they scored on, uh, the power play they scored on, I believe, so that's something. But what would you think of Cam Atkinson today? I thought it was decent. He's getting the chances, but ultimately, my man needs to score a goal. So what I'll say about Atkins is I I do think that he made progress. I think what this game was, was this was a return to snake bitten Cam Atkinson, where, you know, we talked about on the show where a few weeks ago, it was like, he's all over the ice. He's noticeable. He's getting chances. He just can't score. It's bound to happen soon. Then his game dropped off even further where he wasn't getting chances and he was making dumb mistakes without the puck. And I think that's what ultimately got John Tortorella to say, all right, I need to sit you. We talked about it on the show yesterday where Tortorella basically says something like, I have too much respect for Atkinson to let him keep going down the road he's been going down. To me, that remedial scratch worked in the sense that it halted that spiral. The Atkinson that we saw was not the Atkinson. The Atkinson we saw today was not the Atkinson that we've seen over the last week and a half. The, the guy who just was a flat-out liability on the ice. The goal scoring still isn't back yet, but he looks like he's at least turned the clock back to the point where I feel like the goals are going to come eventually. And I think that's at least enough for Tortorella. It wasn't as maybe you know, it didn't enthuse him as much as the, as the frost game because frost delivered exactly what he wanted. Atkinson, I'm sure he wants Atkinson to score. I was hoping Atkinson would pick up an empty netter when he was on the ice because, Hey, like just get a goal somehow. Maybe it'll, it'll calm him down a little bit. It'll let him get out of his own head. But at the very least, I think he's back to being the guy who is noticeable and doing good things on the ice, even if he's not scoring, as opposed to the guy over the last week, two weeks where he was actively making the team worse when he was on the ice. And that's good. I uh, because he's not going to be one of your stars. We will do stars shortly. I just want to point out Joel Farabee because 
you know, we've we've seen him willing to drop the gloves in the past, uh, even if it doesn't necessarily go all that well for him. But I got to give him I got to give him a round of applause for his uh, for his scrap today because he was throwing some fucking punches. He landed a few. That was an that was a nice effort for our guy there. So I just wanted to point out Joel Farabee was very happy with his uh, with his fight today, Charlie. And maybe it wasn't the dirtiest of hits. It kind of looks like Cam York just kind of slipped and put himself in a bad position. But after the intentional board uh, of Travis Sanheim, like they lost all benefit of the doubt. You know, like, okay, Fair. well, you asked for this. Uh, so I was very happy with Joel Farabee there. So now it is time for Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game. Let's start with star number three. Sure. So star number three, I will go with a guy who he certainly isn't a hunt unsung hero in Philadelphia, but I don't think enough ink has been written on him nationally for what he's done this year. Sean Couturier. He's just Sean Couturier. He's he's basically the same guy he was before two back surgeries. And that's mind boggling. You know, he gets the goal on the power play, which the Flyers so desperately needed. And it was such a Sean Couturier goal. Like Sean Couturier isn't a flashy player, but Sean Couturier is the kind of guy where he knows that, hey, Power play ain't scoring. You know, we're, we're, we're hammering away. We're making plays. We're creating chances. We're probably not going to break this run of ineptitude by some flashy passing play. We're going to break it because I got the puck behind the net and I banked it off the goalie's back. Like, that's just a coots play. And it, it was such a key goal. Obviously, they're behind before he uh, before he gets that goal. And I thought just on the whole, five on five, he was his usual dominant self. That line had a ton of time in the offensive zone. So I'm going Couturier, star number three. All right, star number two. Star number two, your game-winning goal scorer, Travis Konechny. I actually thought in the second period, or in the first period, he, he was fighting it. He was fighting the puck. He, he flubbed the puck on a few occasions, missed on a few shots. And you're like, maybe Konechny doesn't have it tonight. And give him credit. He worked himself into this game. And by the third period, I thought he was his his old self. He was everywhere, and obviously he gets the, uh, the shorthanded goal. I love that shorthanded goal. It, not just because obviously it, it gave the Flyers the win, but the fact that it came off of a power play opportunity for the for the Flames that really should not have been a power play. Like I just love those where you feel like, man, like that was a blown call by the official, and then the uh, the, the team that got screwed over ends up turning it back in their favor by scoring a shorthanded goal. I just I love that shit. And and for Konechny to get that goal, I mean, obviously it's the game winner. It, it's the it's the goal that that gives them the W. But I think Konechny. He's my second star in large part because this game looked like it was going to be a rough one for him. And mid-game, he was able to turn it around and become a difference maker. The difference maker that he has to be for the Flyers to win games. Yeah, I thought TK was like all over the place, but like just missing on so many things. Like you said, fighting it a little bit. And then eventually he got it back in that goal. Charlie, it's the, the dream lives. It's 13-10. Uh, the penalty kill is only down by three goals. Now the power play looked like they got something going a little. They might, but this this pen, uh, this power kill is tremendous, and it almost felt as if the referees were like, "Yeah, they're not going to score on another power play. Let's give them a penalty kill, and then maybe they have a chance." And it, it ended up going well for the Flyers. So I mean, it was a bullshit call. It was ridiculous. Yeah. He's getting beaten yeah, up and, by and two guys, and they call him for a penalty. <laughs> And, and in fairness, I did. I asked Couturier about that after the game. And Couturier made an interesting point, which I didn't even think of. And basically what Couturier said was, look, going into the third period, we realized we had gotten a lot of power plays and that there was probably going to be a makeup call or two coming in the third. That's probably what it was. And he's probably right. He's probably right that they were just looking for ways to even it up. All right. And without further ado, it is time for star number one. Star number one is Morgan Frost. I mean, obviously, you know, goal and an assist, but it's it's primarily because of the circumstances. He was scratched on Thursday. He could have handled it poorly. He could have been frustrated. He could have, you know, just sulked. And instead, he goes out and he does exactly what the coach wants him to do, which is basically stick it to me. Like, like I want you to use me as your motivation. Like, use me as the guy you're trying to prove wrong. And I think that's exactly what Morgan Frost did. You saw it in the celebration. I mean, that was a that was a fuck you celebration when when he when he showed that behind the net. Like that was directed at one person, and it was John Tortorella. And you know you know who loved that more than anyone else? John Tortorella. No, one hundred percent. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we're able to get this game out of Morgan Frost. Hopefully, he's able to carry it over. 
I would love to be wrong about what Morgan Frost is and what his place in this organization is. But he just has to basically keep doing what he's doing. Is he going to have two points every night? No. But he's got to contribute more nights than not. Charlie, before I let you go, you got anything else for us that came out of uh, the coach or anyone's availability? Um, I do have some interesting things. I'm gonna. I'm planning to do a a full uh, old school ten observations column on this Ooh. game because it was just such an eventful one. So keep an eye out for that on allphly.com. Should be up sometime later tonight with all of the details from this really fun game. I mean, this was just a fun Flyers game. I think uh, I think Ed Snyder uh, would be uh, we proud of this team. We're proud of the the game they put on the uh, the show that they put on today at the Wells Fargo Center. It was certainly a show, and this has been a show. Thank you to Charlie O'Connor for joining us here tonight from the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, he will be back with us for postgame on Monday following the uh, following the Penguins game. That is a home game, so you will be back at the Farg, and I will be here. I will talk to you on Monday, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks, Bill. All right, uh, just a couple more things before we wrap up tonight. I got to tell you, first and foremost – I have to tell you about our friends over at Bagels and Company. That's right, Bagels and Co. Uh, they were the presenting sponsor of our uh, it was the Reading Terminal show a couple of weeks ago. You saw me eat a bagel on the air. It was absolutely delicious. This was an untoasted, uncream cheesed bagel, and it was really tasty. Uh, Brooklyn style bagels made with Philly love. They have huge bagels. The biggest bagels in Philly are at Bagels and Co. And they also have the biggest variety, great variety. Usually about fifteen to twenty different types to choose from daily, as well as seasonal bagels. Uh, you saw me eat the green, red Christmas one on the Reading Terminal show. That was really good. Uh, they have sports-themed ones. Maybe you're having a tailgate or a watch party or something. You can get a big tray of uh, some Philly-themed Philly themed bagels. That's always huge. And when you have... When you have a huge selection of bagels, you need a huge selection of cream cheese. Over 30 different flavors of cream cheese at Bagels & Co. So you know they're going to have you covered with whatever uh, your whatever your preference is. You know, everyone likes a little something different. They have something for everybody. And the most important thing, they're affordable. A lot of food for cheap, which is, I mean... That's the dream, right? So uh, make sure you check out Bagels & Co. Uh, for the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philly. Head to thebagelsandco.com slash store-locator. That's thebagelsandco.com slash store-locator to find the closest bagels and company near you. And uh, while we're at it, I got to tell you about my friends over at FOCO because FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day, maybe you're in the market for some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. And for all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY10. That's PHLY10 for 10% off. Shop at FOCO today. Do it or else. Real, real quick, I'm just glad that you call it bagels. Yeah. Not, not bagels. What do I, bagels, bagels? That's very South Jersey, bagels. Philly. Bag, I don't, bagels, I don't know. You don't ever, never notice that? I I don't bagels, notice. Bagels, Like everyone tells me I talk crazy and I think I, I sound like everyone it. else. Like, so <laughs> I have no idea if I pronounce stuff weird or not. Like I don't hear it. You say water or water? Water, yeah. That's, I know I, know I say milk. that and it's, I, I don't know what to tell you. I grew up surrounded by South. Like my entire neighborhood is just people who left South Philly and moved to the Burbs. I'm like the only one not from the city in my whole neighborhood. Like, you know, like, whatever. I don't know why I talk the way I do. I just do. Some some words I say are Delco. I've never been. I don't even know what Delco is. But somehow I I don't know. Just know we appreciate it. I appreciate you, JP. And what I appreciate as well is uh, Flyers. A little fired up today. Got some rough stuff going on. The Faraby fight, like I said, did much better than uh, than I've seen him do in the past in the fight. But some stuff at the end of the game, a lot of pushing and shoving. It was really fun game to watch. And them being in this mood heading into Monday against the Penguins has to bode well. Like, I already did the game time read. I didn't realize the next game was Monday against the Penguins. I would have thrown that in there. But, like, I'm hoping they're... Uh, 
them being a little prickly carries over into that Monday game. Because the Pens, Pens aren't nearly as bad as they looked a couple of weeks ago when the Flyers played them. They've been playing pretty well lately. They're pushing for playoff positioning. Obviously, the Flyers are right in that mix as well. So this is a meaningful Flyers-Penguins game coming up. I am very much looking forward to it on Monday. And that is the next time I will talk to you uh, is that Monday post game after the... Uh, after they play the Penguins. Hopefully another big two points for our Fly guys. But that is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers. We are presented by our pals at Mortgage CS. Make sure you text Ben. Text him right now. Do we have, we probably don't have that. Yeah, there it is. Ben Stucker, CEO of Mortgage CS. Whether you're in the, uh, whether you're in, the process of buying a home, you're thinking about moving towards buying a home, wherever you are, they will have, they will be able to help you in some way or another. They're, they're advisors, they're mortgage brokers, they're everything you would want all in one. And uh, if they don't have the information you're looking for, they can, they can direct you to someone who does. And if you want to just text Ben about, yo, hell of a game against uh hell of a game against the flames. You think they carry it over against the penguins? Text him right now, 267-391-7425. He'll get back to you. He's getting, He's been getting back to people. He's told us he's already heard from a bunch of PHLY Flyers listeners. This is important to me. You know how I'm selfish and I'm an egomaniac. Um, he, they're sponsoring PHLY Flyers directly. I think everyone has reads, but there are like direct presenting sponsor now. I want us to over-deliver for Mortgage CS uh, because they want to over-deliver for you. That's their whole thing. So engage, and it'll make me look really good, especially when I'm here alone. Charlie's not even here. So I want to keep this job forever. Help me keep this job. Text Ben, and if you know, you're looking to buy a house, maybe go through them. That's all I'm saying. All right. For Charlie O'Connor, for J.P. Zapata, my name is Bill Matz. See you on Monday, Philly. <laughs> Yeah.